0: You're listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. And I got a sermon for you today called The Sky and the Scriptures. And this is because, as we read it, you'll see uh, there's the particular emphasis that we're going to see in our main text this morning. But before we read that passage of the Bible, um, I want to read you all a poem. Anybody in here like poetry? Any poetry geeks? Anybody not like poetry? You can be honest. I'm really sorry, then, for this whole morning. You're gonna hate this whole thing. It's it's all poetry. That's all we're doing. Um, now, if you don't like poetry, though, let me suggest to you we'll just open your mind a little bit, just a little bit. Um, in particular, I'm gonna read a poem to you guys this morning by a poet named Billy Collins. He is my one, absolute, my absolute favorite poet in any language. And he was poet laureate of the United States for a while. Um, he's really witty. He's like dry and witty, but he like makes really keen observations and stuff. Anyways. Uh, this poem is called Introduction to Poetry. And, and if it helps you, you can almost picture this as if it's a college professor teaching a, teaching a course called Introduction to Poetry. And this is about him reflecting on, on his students, right? And it also serves this morning for us as an introduction to poetry. So here we go. Introduction to Poetry by Billy Collins. I ask them to take a poem and hold it up to the light Like a color slide, or press an ear against its hive. I say, drop a mouse into a poem and watch him probe his way out. Or walk inside the poet's room, the poem's room, and feel the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with a rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. <laughs> you can laugh now. That's funny. That's the end of it. That's it. That's the punchline. Today, today, our main text is going to be a poem. It is one of the Psalms. And the Psalms, much like modern poems or even songs, right? Songs are often just poems put to music. They do what they're supposed to do more by experience and by engagement rather than by dissection and explication, right? They're By nature, they're more affective than instructive to us, I think. They're designed to form us and shape us, particularly the Psalms, on, on an experiential and sometimes even subconscious level more than on an intellectual level. They're more about giving us something to experience rather than something to think about. This is why he says, I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore, right? Today, we're gonna ski across the surface of a psalm and we're gonna wave at David's name on the shore. Now, even if we don't really read much poetry as a literary genre, it, it is important for us as Christians to at least have a general working understanding of poetry in general and, ho- and Hebrew poetry in particular. Um, after all, one of the longest books of the Bible, depending on which way you count, is the Psalms, which is just a huge collection of poetry, right? Besides that, much of the prophets in the Old Testament are almost entirely poetry, right? We even get some of it in the New Testament. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. So... This morning, for the sake of time, we're not going to go a whole lot detailed into all of that stuff. I think Collins' poem provides us a good entryway. Um, But I want to make two really general observations and suggestions to you guys before we read today's psalm. And the first is this. Understand, just on the basics, that that poetry has to be read different than any other literary genre. It just has to. And the Bible itself is full of multiple types of genres, right? Uh, A poem is different than historical narrative which is different than a gospel, which is different than a letter, right? And on and on and on. This is all also why maybe some of us don't like poetry, right? We, pre- we prefer literary forms that we seem like they speak more plainly to us. They're more straightforward. Um, but regardless, I think if we just simply acknowledge that a poem is a poem and you have to read it differently, just sets us on a good track, right? That's going to help us out. Help us get something out of it. Um, the second thing then is, is from Collins' a suggestion is don't try to torture a confession out of it. <laughs> right? Can we not do that to David's psalm today? Right? And I'm going to try to point some things out on this, about the this psalm, hopefully without like like tying it to a chair and beating it with a hose. Right? That's not what we're trying to do. But we want to meet this on its own terms. We, we just want to enter into the imagery enter into this metaphorical world that it's inviting you into and and just accept whatever gift is offered to you in that place. You know, sometimes sometimes analyzing a poem is a bit like having to over-explain a joke. Like, you get it, but you totally ruin the punchline and it's just, you're like, oh, I see why that's funny, you know. But it just ruins the whole purpose of a joke, right? So in the same way, we can ruin the whole purpose of a psalm if we try to treat it that way. So this morning, we're going to walk this fine line. I'm going to invite you to interact with the psalm. I'm going to point out some aspects um, that, that are helpful, but hopefully without over-explaining it. Uh, and so we're going to be reading in Psalm 19. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. It'll be up on the screens and stuff as well. It's also in your program. Uh, but before we read, let's pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and talk to us today. God, we give you thanks this morning. God, we sang of your goodness, and we, we acknowledge now that one of the ways in which you are so good to us is by giving us the scriptures. By giving something that we can turn to, that sometimes is tangible, we can touch it, we can read it, and that, that is instructive about who you are, what kind of God you are. And, and also, lets us see even who we are, and how we fit into this world, and how it is that we interact with you. And, and that's what we're hungry for today. We just want to interact with you. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Would you soften our hearts? Would you open up our ears? God, we want to see you in new light. We want to hear you in different ways. That we might be formed more into the image of your son. Into the people that you have destined us to be. We can walk with you and partner with you in this world. So, so come and talk to us. God, I pray that your voice would speak much more loudly than my own today. Amen. So here we go, Psalm 19. For the director of music, a Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless Innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I feel as though we should say amen, Amen. right? Doesn't that feel like a prayer? It's because it is. Surprise, right? It's a psalm, it's a song, right? And even David said it's for the director of music, it is a prayer set. To music, We have since lost the melody and things like that, um, but, but it is. It's a psalm that is meant to be sung from our hearts as a prayer to God. Now, there's a really curious thing about this psalm. I've always kind of liked this one, and it, but it's always kind of struck me as kind of odd. And here's the, here's the curious thing about it. It's about half about the skies and, like, half about the scriptures. Did you guys feel that switch? Like, suddenly, it's like, wait, what? You know? It's all like the sky and it's beautiful and the sun and then like the law, right? Did that just lose anybody at that point, right? Like, can we go back to the? Can we go back to nature? You know, what's this all about? Like, it seems to me like David. It seems like David couldn't make up his mind what he wanted this song to be about, right? This is. Can I just be honest? I feel like this is really bad songwriting. Any songwriters in the room? If David, if David brought this psalm into like some like contemporary songwriting workshop, somebody would say like. Buddy, you just, you just got to pick a focus. Like, what's this actually about? You're going to sing about the sky. You're going to sing about the law. Like, you just got to pick one. This is, it's not really working. But here we have it. So, so as much as I want to, like, give David a hard time about that, he's dead, and I can't. And it's just in the Bible. So as much as it perplexes me, as much as I want to help David workshop this psalm, make it a little tighter. Come on, David, we can write a hit, you know? It is what it is. And And... The Holy Spirit in me says, yep, and it's there for a reason, right? There's got to be something there that is important for us to notice. There's something of David's own spiritual experience that he is trying to express to us poetically. That he's trying to, by juxtaposing and, and smashing these two things together, that he's trying to get across to us. Something that he has come to understand about being a person of faith who is trying to follow God that he can't really explain directly, but it's got to come out in imagery and in metaphor. It's got to come out as a song to be sung rather than an essay to be studied, right? So this is what we have. Now, I'll just give you the bottom line on top. Here's what I think David is singing about. This is what I think David is singing about, that he's inviting us to experience about the sky and the scriptures. And it's simply this, is that, Reading the scriptures is sort of like looking up at the sky. And I'll unpack this a little bit. But maybe reading the scriptures is a lot like our experience of just looking up at the sky. Now, I've, I've mulled over this a whole lot over the last few weeks. And, and maybe there's more things that you could think of, of, of how these two things play off each other. I'm just going to share three with you today, right? If you, hear, if you think of more, I'd love to hear them. But here's one. That I think David is getting at here is that both of them are the handiwork of the Creator. This is just this is this is like theology 101, right? Both the sky and the scriptures that we have in the Bible are the work of the Creator. His fingerprints are all over them. This is where he starts in this psalm, right? The skies proclaim the work of his hands. His hands were like on them and forming them, right? He's, he's pitched a tent for the sun, right? Here's where you're going to live. He then goes on, even when he's talking about the Bible, when he's talking about the Hebrew Bible and the scriptures, he says the, the laws, the precepts, the commands, etc., etc., of the Lord, right? That these are from him, they are of him, they are by him. I think he's saying, he's saying what the Apostle Paul says in Timothy using a different metaphor when Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed, right? Again, like both of these are metaphorical ways of talking about it, right? God didn't actually like breathe out the Scriptures, nor did God actually with his hands form the skies the way that we think of it. But that's, that's the best language we have to say God made them. Here's what we have. God made them. Both the sky and the scriptures have come into being by Him and through Him and from him. And that in a certain way that they are for us, e- each of them, the skies and the scriptures, they point us back to Him. if we'll let them. if we slow down enough to notice them, because we can see both of them, right? We, we, we can see the sky. We can see the Bible and yet miss God himself. Even the, even the Bible can often point us in directions other than God if we're not really paying attention. Each of them has this inherent capacity to tell us different things about God. And more than that, I, I think there's a sense, and I think David's getting at this, is, is that there's a sense in which paying close attention to one helps us pay closer attention to the other. Does this make sense? That that somehow, for example, uh, even this morning, because this psalm is just talking about the beauty of the sky, perhaps that called to your memory the, the last beautiful sunrise or sunset you saw. Did anybody have something like that? Like popping through your head, right? Some last beautiful sunrise. Maybe you saw a rainbow in the sky, right? Maybe you even just saw like thunderclouds off in the distance and you could see rain falling, right? Something about the sky. Maybe just reading those words from the Bible made us go, oh yeah, you know, I haven't thought about it in a few days, but the sky is quite lovely, right? It helps us see it again. And maybe even now as you remember that moment, Maybe you're, you're recognizing the fingerprints of God on it that, that perhaps you missed in the moment. Maybe you saw it and you recognized it as lovely, but maybe you, your, your heart didn't go that next step and going wow, God did that. So maybe now you recall that, and this is the power of the scriptures doing that to us. On the flip side, I think this is also maybe what David's getting at here by the sheer order of where he's putting stuff in the psalm, is perhaps learning to listen to the sky can actually help condition us to be able to hear the voice of the scriptures more clearly. I think there's something to this. More on that a little bit towards the end. I think there's something about pausing and listening and looking up first, then helps us look down when we're reading and listen in a new way. So that's the first one, right? I think they're, they're both the handiwork of the creator and it's just worth celebrating that. The second thing is that both are challenging to hear. Both the sky and the scriptures are challenging to hear. This is maybe to me the most obvious thing that David's trying to say about the skies at least, right? He's saying that the skies are voiceless, right? They do not have a voice. Their voice is not heard anywhere, right? They have no speech. They use no words. They don't make any sort of auditory sounds that can be classified as human language and thus interpreted for us to be able to understand. It just doesn't exist, but at the same time, he says, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. What? You know, how, how can something without a voice have its voice heard throughout the entire world, you ask? It's a good question. Poetry. <laughs> it's the only answer I got for that one. That's poetry, friends. But here's the thing. The only way to hear anything is to be quieter than the one trying to communicate to you. All the parents in the room said amen, right? Wives, don't nudge your husbands right now. Don't elbow them. But this is true. The only way to hear anything is to be quieter than the one who is trying to speak to you. So how then do we hear something that has no voice and how do we hear something that is silent? I think maybe the same way that you would hear someone who is whispering, you, you silence all the other shh, sh- 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 You silence all the other noises. You quiet yourself down, you focus, right? You, you stop thinking about all the other things. And you lean in and you just come into closer proximity so you can hear. That's how we hear something that is silent. And we cannot expect to hear what the skies or what nature in general is trying to tell us with so much constant external noise around us. It just won't work. We cannot hear what the skies or what nature is trying to tell us with that with this constant internal hum going on inside of us all the time. We can't hear what nature of the skies are trying to tell us by keeping ourselves perpetually cut off and isolated in our, like, hermetically sealed houses and cars, you know? And some of us, man, like, anybody got a garage? I've got a garage now. It's fabulous. I haven't had a garage in years. But you know what that means I never do? Go outside. I could potentially hardly ever go outside until I come to work here and I can, like, run inside as fast as I can, you know? It's just we hardly, you don't don't even have to go through. You guys ever seen the line at Starbucks or Chick-fil-A over in Evan's? It's like people are like, I can't get out of my car. I'm not walking in there. Who does that? I'm to stay in here protected. But what we got to do, guys, we must turn off the noise on the outside. We must learn to quiet our own souls and to spend more time with nothing between us and the skies. And I think, I think that maybe it's the same way then with the scriptures. That if we want to hear what the Spirit of God wants to say to us through the Bible, we've got to first learn to be quiet. We cannot hear them when our external environments and our interior worlds are just full of ceaseless noise. Now, silence can be kind of unnerving. I actually just got off of a retreat this weekend, um, two days. It, it was probably the most silence that I have, like, sat in in years, literally. And you know what, like, the dominant feeling was that I had the entire time? Is I was, like, extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> and I do silence all the time, man. I'd start all of my days with silence, you know, before, you know, 10, 20 minutes of silence. But, like... Hour after hour, it's really uncomfortable. You know why it's so uncomfortable? Because as soon as you turn off all the outside noise and you shut off all the devices and you're not talking to people, you start noticing how noisy it is in here. And oh my gosh, it's a racket. I don't know about you guys, but like my mind and my heart are a hot mess. And as soon as you shut off everything else, they start shouting at you. But you know what? It's good and it is okay. Sometimes that's why we keep all the outside noise on so much because we don't want to deal with what's in here we don't want to hear it but then we don't want to come to the bible and we want to hear god and he's like i'm trying man it's just a little too noisy guys need to pipe down thomas merton says this he said it is the silence of the world that is real our noise our business our purposes, and all our fatuitous statements about our purposes, our business, and our noise, these are the illusion. But somehow when we turn off all the noise on the outside and all the noise on the inside as best as we can, we are somehow tapping into something more real and we are suddenly able to hear the voice of the skies. We are able to hear the voice of the scriptures in a whole new way. I think this is the invitation of God to us. So both are the handiwork of the creator. Both are challenging to hear, not impossible. Take some practice, right? If the silence is awkward, man, you just, you, just, you just keep going. Just work with it. It gets easier over time. And the third thing, both are inescapably big. Both the skies and the scriptures are both just, they are inescapably big. You know, he talks about that. Even in the scripture, the way it talks about this, sometimes in the plural, the heavens and the skies, right? Notice they don't even just talk about the sky singular. It's like somehow there's like a a multitude of it that is just massive. Like you can't talk about it in singular. He says day after day, night after night, like you can't get away from it. It's there all the time, constantly. He says, of the skies, he says, their voice goes out into all the earth. You know what all the earth means? All the earth. Meaning like wherever you go, like you can't get away. This is the whole beauty of like Psalm 139, right? There's nowhere we can go away from God's presence, right? In the same way, there's nowhere we can go to get away from the sky. I was remembering this week, I actually, um, I went to visit um, this place called Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. Anybody ever been to caverns like that? They're fabulous, right? And in Carlsbad Caverns, it's got one of the deepest caverns in the whole, like, North America. And I think it's like 750 feet underground or something like that, like the largest, deepest cave. 750 feet underneath the crust of the earth. But you know what? The sky is still above me, you know? Even when we try to hide from it, we can't. He says, the sun rises at one end of the heavens to the other. Nothing escapes its warmth. Nothing is deprived from its warmth, right? We, we're getting from David the, the sense of the overwhelming vastness that makes us feel incredibly small. And you guys ever been somewhere, particularly maybe out in the desert or, or hiked up to the top of a mountain, where suddenly it was like, oh, the sky was like five times bigger than you thought it was, you know, earlier that day. And then you just felt really, really tiny this little speck underneath this giant sky that's completely encircling this this giant rock that's just hurtling through space, you know? Wow. Feeling small in a good way, right? In an awe-inspiring way. This is the thing about, about the skies being so big. They're meant to inspire awe. Your jaw should drop. You should stop being able to have words to say about it if you're really noticing it. The scriptures, too, in the same way, are really big. Now, sometimes, quite literally, sometimes we like making our Bibles as big as we can, you know? So, like, a preacher, we can come up here and be like, like the word of God, you know, and it's massive, you know? It's like something from Harry Potter or something, you know? Like, why do you need a book that big, you know? And we, but we miss that when we've got it on our phone, right? We miss that when we've got it on our phone, but it is. It's big. And this is what David is singing about, the law, the precepts, the commands of the Lord. What's interesting is when he's singing about these, what he means is the Torah. These are euphemisms for the Torah, which are just the first five books of the Hebrew Old Testament. Now, we, of course, have those five plus 61 more that compri- comprise what we would call the Scriptures, right? These are our holy texts. It's big. There is a whole lot going on in there. I think, I think that's just the most basic thing you should tell anyone about the Bible. It's big you know just brace yourself get ready for it and it can come with this sense of overwhelming vastness that makes us feel really small it can be intimidating to even know where to begin but the sense of vastness i think is is quite an important aspect of even how we approach the bible that in the same way that, that we're supposed to just stand in awe of the sky and just go, whoa, that sometimes maybe that's the best way that we can approach the Bible is just whoa. Like, like here's here's what I would say about this. I would propose that your sense of hearing is directly tied to your sense of wonder. Your sense of hearing is directly tied to your sense of wonder. And that understanding the the sky or the scriptures scientifically or via study can like certainly help, but it can also hurt. If it causes us to feel like we've got it all figured out, or if the only point is to gain some sort of security from feeling like we've got it figured out, then we're going to forfeit our sense of wonder. And I think we're going to stop really hearing it for what it is trying to say and what it is trying to do in us. Because there's a sense in which, no matter how much we understand like the atmospheric properties and qualities of the sky that make us see it the way we do, the only real adequate response to a beautiful sunset is just to gasp in awe. and Maybe grab somebody to come look at it with you. The only truly appropriate response to a sunrise is wonder and gratitude. You know, it wouldn't it be the biggest buzzkill to have someone sitting right next to you, uh, looking at the sunrise or looking at the sunset, right, rattling on about how far the light of the sun have had to travel to us and the way that it refracts through our atmosphere to make the sky appear blue. It's not really blue. It's just the way the light is refracted. And then further refracts through the clouds when it hits them at certain angles and makes us see pinks and oranges and yellows. Like, okay. Like, Maybe some of that can increase our sense of awe, but sometimes all that is appropriate is silence and wonder. In the same way, hear me, church. Sometimes we can feel so certain that we understand the Scriptures that we miss the real beauty and mystery of them. Let me tell you guys, I love the Bible. Man, I love it. Been reading it pretty hardcore now for probably like 25 years. Pretty good. Done a bunch of studying. Got ordained, you know. Preached like 600 something sermons probably by this point. But sometimes like all of that knowledge, all of that study, all of that explanation, just Because the Bible is still big. It's kind of weird and unpredictable. And sometimes we just need to have this sense of wonder. And I think I'm finding more and more in my life, the more that I approach the scriptures with that sense of wonder. Sometimes we feel like it's bad if we have questions about it, or if we have doubts about it, or if we close it and we leave scratching our heads and we're more confused than when we started. That's fine. That sense of awe and wonder, is, for me, is what keeps me coming back. Let yourself be surprised by it. In the same way that you're surprised by a sunset sometimes or a rainbow, just let yourselves be surprised by the Bible. So let me give you guys a couple of next steps. You guys ready? And this is sort of like an experiment. I don't know. Like, if if any of this makes any sense, if this is interesting at all to you, if you feel something, like, stirring in your heart, try this out. Three simple things. And the order of these is important. So sometimes I like doing this, and it's like, pick one. Like No, like, pick all of them or none of them and do them in this order. All right. First... Turn off your devices, go for a walk, and notice the sky. Just, just do that. Like, it sounds like so boring and normal. That might be one of the most spiritual things you've done all week long. Right? So just leave your phone at home, shut it up. And, man, I've always got a podcast in, or I'm, like, listening to music or something like that. But just turn it off, go for a walk, and notice the sky. Like, enter into that Silence. If you suddenly start noticing all the noise in your head, all the noise in your heart, and you just want to run from it, that's fine. Go for a run. I don't know. Just do that. Just endure it. Press through it. Just be silent and notice. Be silent and notice. Then second, once you get back home, read a short selection from the Bible. And choose that however works for you. Maybe you just go and read Psalm 19 again. Man, I think there's so much going on here, right? Maybe just read Psalm 19 that we read this morning. Read it to yourself again. If you're not sure where to begin, maybe be, maybe it's good for you to like, choose this before you go out on the walk, right? You don't want to sit down with the Bible and then try to figure out where to do, you know? Like Do roulette with one of the Gospels or something, right? That's pretty safe. You know, Whatever it is, it kind of doesn't matter. I don't think it really matters. The Holy Spirit can orchestrate that for you however he wants. But then just sit down and just read a short selection of the Bible. And I think that what David's getting at here is somehow being outside in silence with nothing between us and the sky and just noticing its wonder somehow conditions us to then sit down with the Bible and bring in that same sense of wonder. And when you do, number three, notice and accept the gift that is given to you. Now, here's what's really interesting. If we go back and we read um, the scriptures again, right where he starts talking about the law, right? Where we're like, what? Where are you going, David? The law of the Lord is perfect. Listen to these words. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Notice and accept the gift that is given to you. Maybe it's refreshing. Maybe you didn't even realize how exhausted you were. And suddenly you just spend that little time walking and then reading, and suddenly you just feel refreshed like like you just took a real deep breath like deep in your soul right maybe your body even, even just physically feels more awake and energized might also be the vitamin d maybe 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 some bit of wisdom comes to you maybe there's just been some some puzzling thing in your life that you've just been like lord i, I don't know what to do i don't this decision i got to make for work or my kids or School, or I don't, I don't know what to do. Maybe suddenly just, there it is. Oh. Right? Wisdom. Wisdom is the art of living well. Maybe you suddenly just realize something of how to live well. May, maybe the gift given to you is joy. Maybe the rona's got you reeled down, and you just need some joy. I know I do. And joy is not one of those things that we can like work up in ourselves. It's it's one of those things, man, you just, you kind of can't do it. It has to be given to you as a gift. It has to well up from within you just of its own power, of its own accord. And maybe just in that moment, you just just feel joy. Maybe you find yourself just smiling, you know? Like if anybody walks in on me right now, I'm just going to look really weird, you know? But maybe that's a gift. Maybe that's the gift you need. Or it says, brings light to the eyes. Maybe you feel like you've just been kind of walking in darkness. Maybe you feel like you're just bumping into everything, you know? Like, I'm wandering into the poem's room and I'm feeling for the light switch, but I can't find anything, you know? Maybe you feel like you're just like bumping your knees and your ankles into everything in life. Well, maybe the light of Christ will shine on you in that moment. Receive that. Whatever the gift is that the Lord has for you in those moments, receive it.